Hi, guys. Welcome back to Staying Conscious Podcast with Megan Allie. I don't even know where to start with this one, Allie. <laughs> um, this was one of our favorite episodes yeah. ever. Amy Lee, where to start? She is incredible. So Her incredible. knowledge <laughs> on human design blew our minds. The energy we felt in that house and speaking to her was magnetic. And I hope you guys find this super helpful. Um, if you've never heard yeah. of human design before, we'll link everything below so yes. that you guys can like look up on my body graph and figure out what your design is. And if you have any questions after this episode, like please DM us, let us know. Absolutely. But Amy has some like incredible resources on her website that you can always go to. And I'm sure she would love to hear from you if you want to reach out to her as well. All right, let's get yeah, started. Let's get started. Enjoy. There's nothing else we can say. <laughs> Just like enjoy this episode. Thank you so much. Yeah. This has been fun. We're so excited. We this. have so many questions, <laughs> like narrowing it down. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel like your calm energy will help us to like, yeah, stay on track. Okay, good. <laughs> your bubbly energy will help me stay awake. So I don't know. We're a good team. <laughs> yes. So we ask everyone this. This is our first question for everyone. What is something you have been curious about recently? There's no rules. Hmm. Recently, what have I been curious about? Well, I'm sort of always curious about the intersection of the question of free will and destiny, which I think mm. a lot of people look at. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's always rolling around in my head and that I'm kind of taking notes on and observing as I'm going through my own life. Because I think there's a lot around us that you know, most of us like to think that we have free will mm -hmm. and that we have a lot of choices. And, and we go through a lot of strain trying to figure out what our choices are and, and how to make them. And then there are these threads of things that happen that make it feel like there's something going on here under the surface that I'm actually not in control of that I can tell is pulling me in different directions. And and people will ask me sometimes, like, which, which is true? Do we have free will? Yeah, we or were just talking about that this yeah. morning. Do we not... And I think the truth of it is, um, do you guys know Carolyn Mace? Mm -mm. No. She's, a, she's, she's not as popular now. She was really popular like in the 90s. Okay. She wrote Anatomy of the Spirit. She, she, did, she was a medical intuitive. Mm -hmm. And she did a lot of work with studying the chakra system and how energy works and how that affects health. But she used to have this phrase. She would say that the closer you get to truth, the closer you are to paradox. And mm. when you find yourself going deep into questions and they're taking you to a place where it seems like extreme opposites are true simultaneously, that that's when you're actually closer to the truth. And, and I think that's kind of the case. It's beyond our logical minds, mm -hmm. but I think yeah. that's kind of the case in the free will destiny question. Yeah. Oh, but, I like that a lot. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things from Katoni yoga is like the type of yoga that we practice. And Naveen, the founder of Katona, says like what you see is true, but like also what you don't see is true. Yeah. And I think that that is, there talks a lot about polarities and like this mm -hmm. end and that end. And it's just like this and that. What you hear is true, but also like what you don't hear is true. What you mm -hmm. see is true, but what you don't see is true. And I think it's yes. that consciousness of like what am I not seeing and what am I not hearing? Mm -hmm. and knowing that that exists and that it's true, too. I don't yeah. know. That's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it relates to another piece that, that is more um, uh, characteristic of my profile, which, um, which points toward this kind of question of, like, what am I responsible for and what am I not responsible for? Mm. Like, how much effect, when you see something happen, um, this question of sort of, like, how much do I matter? Did I cause that? Mm. Am I responsible for that? Am I just a witness to that? Am I powerless to that? It's, it's kind of a similar question, but... Yeah. Um, that's that's one of the things that comes to mind when I think about yeah I like that think I about polarity yes. paradox mm-hmm. yeah. so for our listeners who have never heard of human mm-hmm. design yeah. can you just briefly maybe tell us what human design is and how you came to find it yeah so human design is a system that synthesizes a bunch of ancient teachings so uh, synthesizing astrology the I Ching the chakra system, although it's evolved in the way it's used in this system. And then it relates a lot of that to physics, uh, chemistry, biology, genetics. And it's a very deep, rich, complex synthesis of all of these different Mm -hmm. systems that's actually been relatively simplified into a map (laughs) that you can look at and talk about, but it's something that you could study for many, many years, it goes very, very deep. So from the most surface layers of looking at what is my type or what am I or what are my basic characteristics down way deep into really, really fine detail. And in some ways, you almost can't even talk about that really fine detail until mm-hmm. unless you have a pretty pretty strong dedication to being aware, witnessing, mindful, working through your own conditioning, really watching the patterns that are going on in your life and in your relationships. So it's a deep and beautiful system. Um, it's a revealed knowledge. So it's some would say it's channeled. It's something that came through um, mm-hmm. as an intact whole teaching mm-hmm. to a man in the eighties. And the origins of it are pretty freaky and weird. I'm sure you guys have yeah. Yeah. <laughs> looked into that a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, when I found it, I had been studying. I had spent a bunch of years studying more metaphysical things. Um, I actually started out. In engineering school, I went to engineering school in college, so very logical, very practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then got yanked into <laughs> sort of like metaphysical and energy work and meditation, mm-hmm. and did some healing work for a little while, and then started to feel like something was missing. So then I got into more psychological uh, training and somatic therapies and the intersection of the body and the emotions. And I was right about to pull the trigger on going to school to become a psychotherapist. And I found human design. Someone introduced me to to it. And I started looking at it. And my first reaction was sort of like, this is so compelling. And at the same time, like, I don't want to go down another crazy road. I just (laughs) want something stable and normal. I'm just going to be a therapist and that'll be good. Um, But it just really grabbed me. And, And that was about 10 or 11 years ago. And I'd just been hook, line, and sinker ever since. That's yeah. cool. So cool. Yeah. I can see it easily. Like, I can, e- I can um, get hooked on systems quick, too. Yeah. Yep. So for me, I can be like, oh, my gosh, I'm dived into this. Like, I'm so detail-oriented into this that it's almost like, like learning, trying to submerge myself in this, I found I have to go a little bit slower because yes. I can get very overwhelmed with mm-hmm. this system because like you were saying, it can get like super deep. So that was comforting when you were like, okay, yeah. you have to learn it slowly yeah. kind of in a way. Yeah, I try to recommend that because I've definitely seen a lot of people kind of dive in and go mm-hmm. crazy with it. Mm-hmm. And then 
just get burnt out or overwhelmed because yeah. it's so much information. And I think in the beginning, and this is how I ended up going about it because when I found it, I had a newborn baby. So I didn't have as much time and space as I might have at another time in my life. Oh, interesting. And so I really had to just take it piece by piece. And, and then I was left with sitting with a simple piece of information and just playing with it, observing it in myself, watching other people, and just kind of getting into my own experience to find out what it was about. Yeah. And I found over the years that um, deeper levels of it or more detailed levels of it would just sort of pop up at mm. the right time over time. So there have been aspects of design that in the beginning mm -hmm. I never even looked at or considered. And, and there's actually a lot more information out there now than there was even 10 years ago that's mm -hmm. easier to access. Oh, sure. um, and I think it's a, it's a kind of double-edged sword because it can be helpful in some ways, but it can get overwhelming. And I've seen people go hook, <laughs> line, and sinker, and then after uh, you know three months, they're like, I'm overwhelmed. I have yeah. to put this down. This is making me crazy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I can so see that. Go slow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think going slow is good. Um, can you maybe describe like the different types briefly and kind of go into that a little bit? I could, yeah. Um, I always like to say, because this is... I've. I've, I've done a few of these talks okay. now and that's the thing that grabs people and yeah. it's, it's really compelling. And it is the most uh, probably profound and practical aspect of the, of the teaching in a lot of ways. But one thing I always like to lead with is to say that type is really about learning how your basic energy mm -hmm. form functions. Mm -hmm. And it's actually just, whereas with some other systems, the type is the end of the story. Like this is your type and that's what you are and it tells us what you are and now now we know. Mm. With human design, it's more like your type tells us how your energy works and you can use that as a sort of operating manual. But it doesn't really tell us anything about what your purpose is mm. or the unique things that you're actually going to express once you're operating correctly. Yeah. So it's actually sort of the doorway to a whole process of self-discovery that goes very deep. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, there's, um, <laughs> there's the, the types are compelling and, and important because once we know how to function properly, that, that opens the door to a lot. Right. So we have the most uh, prevalent type, which is what you are, yeah. Allison, um, which is the generator. And that's about 70% of the population. And the generator is defined by having an aura that's open and enveloping. That's a big energy field. It's one that tends to feel warm it tends to feel um, like it is able to come into a room or come into a relationship and sort of surround whatever's happening. Um, it's designed to operate out of response. So the key thing for the generator type is that there is a consistent life force energy that lives in the body that is there waiting to respond to life, to, mm -hmm. to energy and material and actual things happening in life. Um, that's a really big key point for a generator because so much in our world points us toward being initiators and yeah. having great ideas and visions and going and making them happen and achieving things. And a lot of that focus pulls generators, most of the population, into trying to be manifestors, into trying to yeah. initiate and create their lives out of nothing when in actuality the generator energy field is the most receptive in a lot of ways. It's actually designed to be very yin in a certain way. Mm. And it's an interesting 
juxtaposition because there's a lot of energy there. There's a consistent life force there. It's ready to engage, but it's waiting to be turned on. Mm. So if you're a generator, that's one of the key pieces to going through life is it's almost like you're, you're in an attentive state of waiting for what draws response out of your body and yeah. makes you feel like my energy is inv- available to engage mm-hmm. with this now. Which makes sense that it's 70% of the world, right? Those are the people that are like, let's get things done. Like I can see yeah. that this needs to be done from, from whatever source, I think, and then they just do it. Yeah. type of thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the energy we need to be able Absolutely. to create anything. So, it's the source of life, really, mm. you could yeah. say. And without it, we wouldn't we wouldn't have life. Mm. So, it's it's the life source. So, generators are really important and they also tend to work and by work I don't just mean career, but work as an energy expenditure. How you're using your energy, what you're investing your energy in, what you're building and creating and using your energy for is the sort of key focus in a generator life. And from what I've seen, generators who don't have fulfilling activity, who don't have fulfilling energy engagement in their lives are usually very unhappy. It's, mm. it's something yeah. that they've got to sort out. Yeah. So if you're going to have a big-time career, great. If you're going to be a full-time parent and you enjoy that and that's your investment, that's great. If you're going to go on adventures, whatever it is you're going to do, it's, it's important to be alert to finding that out mm, in yeah. order to not feel unhappy and frustrated. And do you think it can be multiple different facets as well? Like it can be... For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that, that happens is oftentimes people will come to something like human design because they're at a turning point in life or they're having a big problem. Mm. It's like, how do I respond to this relationship or how do I deal with my career? It's not working out or I, I need to make more money or I'm not happy or whatever it is. They're looking at big time stuff. Mm. And I think the most important things for generators from the start is to bring it way down, like bring it way, kind of, kind of like what you would probably study in yoga, bring it down to the moment. It's yeah. just the next pose, the next breath. Mm. It's the next moment where life is going to be bringing you something to respond to. That might be a relationship and a career. It might be a cup of coffee or a flower. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's. I think it makes it more real where you can actually feel it in the body if you bring it down to the moment by moment yeah. level for sure for a generator. It was really, um, it helped me a lot to see that, like to read about a generator and like I resonated with it immediately where it was like you get frustrated because you have to wait and like we are like conditioned to believe that we are supposed to all be manifestors and we just Mm -hmm. like make things happen and that is like I have all this energy and I'm like oh my gosh I just like want (laughs) to make all these things happen like right away and it's like oh I have to wait like ooh, she does not Mm -hmm. like I don't like waiting at all Mm-mm. And then it also made me curious when you say that like 30 or sorry, 70% of the population are generators. And there's a lot of people in the world, I feel like today who are depressed and exhausted yeah. and like you hear them being like burnout at work. And it's like, yeah, a lot of these people who are generators are putting all of their energy into something that like does not light them up. And it's like, no wonder they're exhausted and depressed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they don't know. Like for me, I have oftentimes like, um, f- 
felt like I needed to like just stick it out at a job because I thought that I should. And I think that's a very common Mm -hmm. conditioning that we have. And to be able to understand like, oh, I'm putting all of my energy into things that don't light me up. And it's like when I have days off that I'm like podcasting and teaching yoga and doing these things and connecting with friends and doing these things that light me up, like I have all the energy in the world and I could like do it all day long. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's exactly (laughs) right. so... Mm-hmm. It's just been cool to like experience that and uh, really allow that to resonate. Yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's deeply true. And it brings up another point, which is interesting with generators, I think, because one of the things that's said about generators is that they're designed to be self-absorbed yeah. and self-focused. And that can sound on the surface like, well, if we tell people to focus on themselves and be self-absorbed and only do what they want to do, then isn't the world going to fall apart? We're not going to care about each other or, you know, which is a funny place to go with it because if you let somebody do what feels natural to them, they're probably going to naturally want to care about people and do things to serve other people. There's going to be some goodness that comes out of it. But I think most importantly, when we support generators in being self-focused, so if I support you in doing what you want to do with your energy rather than trying to get you to do what I think you should do with your energy or what I want you to do with your energy. Um, Ultimately, that's something that serves us all because if you're a humming, happy, satisfied generator, you're going to have energy Mm -hmm. and that's the frequency that's going to be coming out of your big open aura. And that's what we're all going to be feeling in the world. So you can imagine if we had a world where 70% of the population was able to feel satisfied and energized and engaged with things that they love to do with their energy, how much would be getting created and how right. good would that feel? It's, yeah. it's a big difference from, from the world we live in. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so other types. Yes. yes. Okay. So <laughs> manifestors. <laughs> so we'll just go to manifestors next because sure. we've already started talking about them. Yeah. Manifestors are about 8% of the population. So that's a much smaller percentage. And, um, they're defined by having energy, a motor that goes straight to the throat. And the throat in human design is about communication, but it's also about action and manifestation. So one of the things that a manifester has is a connection that goes straight from that motor to the throat, but they don't have the consistent sacral energy. So a manifester is designed to act on their impulses. And the, which doesn't necessarily mean to be impulsive, but they're designed to act on when they feel the inner movement of action mm-hmm. within them. And that can be inspired by their own inner vision, their own, um, it, it starts with them internally. The manifestor aura is closed and repelling. And so, um, which is always a fun thing to tell someone. Yeah. <laughs> Telling aura, um, but it's it's something where you can probably tell if you encounter a manifester that there's something about their field that feels closed off. Mm-hmm. They're not open to being penetrated energetically, and the pushing action that their that their aura does is a way that their energy field actually clears the way for them to be able to do what it is they want to do. Um, to be able to initiate what they want to initiate and to not be influenced by others. So in some ways, manifestors are here to um, act on their vision and to be in control of what they're doing and to not be very receptive to 
influence or energy from other people. So in some ways you could almost see it like it feels the opposite of a generator in a way. They're almost like the yin and yang, oh, right, right. Where, where the generator aura is sort of receptively drawing life to it so that it can respond. And the manifestor aura is pushing life away so that it can act. Um, so they're very different. Mm. Um, one of the things that manifestors are really here learning about is their impact. And it's something that I think a lot of manifestors, um, it's part of what their work is to figure out in life because it's often, I think, surprising to them how much of an impact they have when they're not intending to. Yeah. Um, and, and that experience is something that um, leads to the strategy that we, we give to manifestors, which is to inform and that if they focus on communicating a lot and probably a lot more than might be natural to them, it gives other people the chance to prepare for the impact they're going to have. Mm. And it helps people to either support their vision or get out of the way. Right. And that's cool. a, a really important thing for manifestors, I think. So very different energy field. And you'd yeah. probably feel that if you were around for a manifestor, sure. it would feel probably less easy to kind of... Um, initiate contact with them or just like jump in their space and yeah. be, um, be friendly or, or suggest things. You'd probably naturally consciously or subconsciously feel a little more cautious. Yeah. And you'd probably feel a little bit more like, oh, I'm going to let that person approach me. Yeah. Like and they're the, a little intimidating. It could be yeah. a little intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, so then we have projectors. So, <laughs> um, Generally, generators and manifestors are called the energy types. So they both have a consistent source of energy. For projectors, projectors are kind of the weirdest <laughs> in, a, in, in, in a certain way as a type because within the type um, of projector, there are many different uh, variations on that type. So projectors can look a lot of different ways. And there's, um, there's a joke where somebody had asked... Um, the uh, Ra who who brought forth human design. Somebody asked him, "Can you tell when somebody's a projector?" And he said, "If they're if they're dead and I have their chart, yes, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking at a projector in life, it can really look a lot of different ways mm -hmm. because the projector aura is absorbing and penetrating, and so it's a kind of energy field that's designed especially for one-on-one -on -one relating." And it's one that tends to get very focused. It absorbs deeply, um, like you and I talked mm -hmm. about. It's almost like eating the energy yeah. of whatever it's focused on, and then it penetrates deeply. So in some ways, it, the projector is almost like deeply receptive and deeply penetrating, <clears throat> both. And so this makes it so that projectors tend to naturally have a lot of focus on other people, on systems, on figuring out what's going on in this world and how people function. There tends to be a natural draw towards studying other people, I think in part because there's an unconscious awareness or maybe sometimes conscious that projectors are being deeply affected by the people around them. Mm -hmm. So there's this natural tendency to a study what's going on. And out of that, projectors can be very uh, skilled and intelligent. And some people would maybe even say manipulative, not although not necessarily intending consciously, not intending mm -hmm. to be, because they're picking up so deeply on what's going on, what people want, what's expected, how to behave. And they um, plug into that so quickly that it becomes a, 
a big study in their lives to figure out who's around me and how is that affecting what I become when I'm with this person? Mm. And then what do I become when I'm focused on this other person? So I think a big important thing for projectors is to really notice where are you putting your attention? Because you can almost think of it like whatever you're putting your attention on, you're eating. Yeah. Mm. So if that doesn't taste good to you, if that doesn't feel good to you, if that thing that you're focused on is resisting you, you might want to turn your attention. (laughs) Yeah. You might want to go, you might want to move on or you might want to take a break because as soon as a, as soon as a projector starts looking at somebody, they're going to feel it. And if they don't want that, that, that does not feel good. No. Yeah. Yeah. So for projectors, a lot of the exploration is about recognition. It's about presence. It's about, um, being able to tell that the people they're with are welcoming of their presence and their attention and their focus and their penetration. Because if the people around you, if you're a projector and the people around you aren't interested in your awareness or they're not open to your penetration, then that's not going to feel good. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like an internal rejection, I like Denise. Or like they're rejecting your existence, I think is the exact words that you used. Yes. And I could not relate to that more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a deep, it's a deep one. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of projectors out there that feel like I'm not sure I'm supposed to be here Mm -hmm. and that can go, that can go deep and that can get, that can get dark. Um, cause it can feel like I'm not sure I'm supposed to be here period. I don't have the same energy that I see most people around me having. I do, I'm not engaging with life in some of the ways that I see other people doing unless I imitate something. Mm -hmm. And so what am I, what am I doing here? If the people around me don't care about or don't want to know what I see or what I know, then that's going to feel like I'm not sure what I'm doing here or if I should be here at all. And so if you're a projector out there and you are having that experience, I think the important thing to notice is that that's not about you're not supposed to be here at all. It's that you're not in the right place with the right people at the right time. And and so it's a, it's a question of context. It's not a question of whether or not you should be here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's deep. <laughs> it is. It's deep. I had like a question about that because mm-hmm. Megan and I have been talking a lot about it and I resonated with a lot of what you were saying to her about that aspect of being a projector and mm-hmm. kind of like changing who I was depending on mm-hmm. who I was in the room with and like yeah. I will come in with like all of my energy that I have and I'll be like really excited about someone something or whatever's going on. And then if the person I am with is not mirroring that excitement, Mm -hmm. I will begin to like take myself down and like mirror whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that is more of like conditioning or if that's just like um, maybe not being like confident in my own like Mm -hmm. energy that I have Mm -hmm. and like knowing that that is like allowed to be there. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think of a couple things about that. One is that um, when I look at your design, for example, you have an open ego. And well, you both do. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> all of us. All three of us. Um, so, and, and that's about 70% of the population, too. So okay. most people don't have a consistent uh, sense of will and strength of self and confidence. Now, it's not so simplistic to say that somebody that has a defined ego feels confident sure. all the time. Sure. Yeah. But with an open ego, there tends to be, it, it tends to be the kind of deepest, most impactful conditioning source. Mm-hmm. And that's a place where 
when that is open, we're, we can be very receptive to whether or not we feel like we are good enough in the eyes of the people around us and whether or not we're proving ourselves in the world, whether or not we're worthy, we tend to question our, our worth. Yeah. And so that can be something where we can be very sensitive to coming into a situation and feeling like, oh, I'm not valued here or I haven't proved myself here or I'm not sure that I have value here. Maybe I need to adapt to mm. whatever's going on here so that I can um, give people what they want or get the approval that I need. And usually that's coming from just a kind of underlying sense of not being sure, not being quite confident that it's okay to just be yeah. what you are. Yeah. The other thing I think that happens, and this is something really fascinating to see in projectors and generators, is that I think, you know, I don't know what you guys were like as children or how people mm -hmm. reacted to you, but I think often generators get conditioned to think more of others than themselves. So if we say the natural state for a generator is to be relatively self-focused in terms of what they're doing with their energy, they'll often get conditioned to like, well, think about other people. Well, don't just mm, do what you want to do. Yeah. Well, you need to, you know, I know your energy just wants to, you know, make art right now, but I need you to clean your room and mm, set the table sure. for dinner or whatever that yeah. is. So generators will often get conditioned to focus on others way more than is actually natural for them. And on the flip side, projectors will often get conditioned to think about themselves and create a persona for themselves and go out and show the world, this is who I am and what I'm all about and I'm going to take over the world. They often get conditioned into that a lot more than is mm. natural for them. Or people might say, why are you always thinking about and talking about other people? Like, what's going on with you? Right, yeah. And, and oftentimes for a projector, it's kind of like, it's not... It's uh, not always helpful to kind of navel gaze as a, no. as a projector. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. I feel like I've learned more about myself studying people that I love's charts and like how yes. I relate to them. I feel like I've learned mm -hmm. almost more about myself doing that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the projector way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then reflector. Reflector. Right? Yes. Yeah. So reflector is the last type. Very, very rare. Less My mother-in-law is and it makes so much sense I kind of like put all of her information in expecting uh, I don't know what I expected and then I saw that mm. and I was like oh my gosh so I would love to hear a little more about that yeah, yeah. so reflectors are very different and they um, so a reflector chart and and this is something we, we might want to talk about if we have time but I think one of the most important things one of the most basic and helpful things to to attach to when you just getting into this if you're using it is that when you look at the body graph, when you look at your chart, you're going to see that there are places that are open and there are places that are colored. And the openness is showing where we have flexibility and receptivity. The color is showing where we're fixed and defined. And if you're navigating life for yourself, that definition is what's there to, to guide you that you can rely on because that's what's always there inside yourself. The funny thing that happens, kind of similarly to what I was saying with generators and projectors, is that I think many of us get conditioned to think that our definition is a problem and our <laughs> openness is a problem. Like the whole thing is a problem. And we get really hung up on trying to make the openness more fixed and trying to make the fixedness more flexible. And it really can drive you crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that can be most helpful with this is that I think if we can learn like, oh, this is what's fixed. It's not going to change. I can just go with this. This is what's open and it's not going to be consistent. Mm -hmm. I can just go with that. 
then, oh my God, so much ease, I think, can come um, for all of us and in, in other people. Cause it can never change, right? Like if you have a open, if you have a defined, that was one question a friend of mine asked, mm -hmm. if you have a defined center, mm -hmm. is that something that changes at all over time or that is, no. okay. It okay. is what it is. Cool. That, that was your imprinting. Yeah. That yeah. was your imprinting at birth. So okay. that is what it is. Um, <clears throat> It can certainly express in a lot of different ways, mm -hmm. but it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. So when you look at a reflector and then you look at a reflector body graph, all of the centers are open. So it looks very white. And you're one, you know, you're wondering what, what? is this about? <laughs> what does this mean? How this can this be? <laughs> so there's something strange going on here. Um, so it's interesting because through all of that openness, what it means is that reflectors in and of themselves, one of the themes that they can really struggle with is stability because there's so much changeability in all of these different areas of life, how they think, how they feel, how much energy they have, um, what their sense of identity and direction in life is, their instincts, all of that is variable. And um, so one of the things that they're looking at is where is their stability? And one of the tendencies can be to seek stability by attaching to a role or a person um, or a behavior attaching to something that's, that they can feel like, oh, if I just do this, this mm -hmm. is going to give me a sense of something consistent. What's actually there to guide them is the moon. The reflectors mm -hmm. have a body that, and a, and a type that we would call a lunar type, whereas the rest of us are solar. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that they can consistently experience over time is that, um, through the moon cycle each day that the moon goes through, um, it will move through a different gate of the body graph. It will move through um, each one of the 64 gates of the body graph. Oh, so one so of the cool. things a reflector can do is notice over time what it feels like to go through that 30-day cycle and then go through it again and then go through it mm. again. And they'll probably notice over time that there are some... Um, there's some kind of sense of themselves that they can get from that, which is a much you know, potentially much more complex sense of self mm -hmm. than, than what some of the rest of us might experience. The cool thing for reflectors is that their aura is, um, it's nicknamed the Teflon aura. So it's one that is through that openness, it's constantly sampling. So very different from the projector where the projector is kind of eating the energy, it's becoming part of them and then they're, they're directing it. The reflector is just sort of tasting everything. And so there's something about their energy field, if you've been around them, and I don't know if you mm. experience this um, with, with your mother-in-law, but they, they will tend to be sort of taking things in and spitting them back out. Mm. So you can feel like there's a connection there. You can feel like you could maybe penetrate them a little bit, but then it, go, it kind of like yeah. it sloughs right off. It doesn't stick to them. Mm. And there's this um, interesting movement that they do through relationship and through life one of the things that they're here for is to be able to reflect the health of the environment in general. And that can be something where they're reflecting either what's going on in the, in the context of the situation, in a group dynamic, in a family, in a business organization. They're here reflecting what is the health of this bigger organism because mm -hmm. they're, they're sampling and tasting all of the different parts of it. Um, reflectors can be, uh, they can, they can kind of come in and have a kind of awareness that, that the rest of us really don't have. It's almost like it's coming from another place. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, 
they can be very oriented around what is different. Like what is their, they tend to be very moved by wonder and surprise. So that's something where um, if they can feel that in life, that's showing them that they're actually seeing life happening, life evolving, life emerging as it's happening. And that can be very gratifying mm. for them to see. That's cool. So um, they're very interesting characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah, relate she's, to Yeah, it's funny that. that you say that. She made to both of her kids' journals throughout their whole life. So like each, mm. like she would document their first like haircut or their first doctor's appointment or all of these things and then so she said like one of the most gratifying things is watching her kids evolve over time so that sounds almost Mm. identical to what you're saying Mm -hmm. it's like watching her kids grow and go through each phase of their life was she said one of the most gratifying things Mm -hmm. she she's ever experienced so that sounds very much like that yeah yeah i could see that that's neat yeah i think one of the things that can be uh tough for a reflector is that if they're going through life in a way that it feels like nothing new is happening Mm. and and or it feels like the environments that they're in or the way people are functioning is not healthy that's something that can bring a lot of disappointment to them they can start to feel very disappointed in life if they're not seeing that that aliveness that surprise that wonder that difference that movement that's natural for us all yeah um or if they can sense that there's some, something wrong on that bigger level, um, I think they really they feel that pretty deeply. And mm-hmm. I, I've known several reflectors in my life who, you know, for me as a projector, I can be very immersed in like this person's <laughs> having a problem with this thing in their life, and they're like, "Who cares? The the environment's going to shit. We need to figure this out." You know, so yeah. there's it's a very different orientation yeah. to life. Cool. Yeah. I did have a question. Mm-hmm. We ha- we had a question on like the not self theme, yeah, and kind of like mm-hmm. yeah, what I, that means and what that means and like I am still like trying to wrap my brain around not having an authority and what that means too. Yeah. So you know, there's that. Yes. We can kind of go either yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the not having a th- an authority thing is is a more rare thing. Oh, okay. It's pretty unusual. Okay. But. Um, but we could talk about authority in general, and that yeah, might illuminate it a bit. Because yeah. um, so we have type in this system that's telling us how the energy field is working. Um, each of those types has their own kind of strategy. So each of them has their own um, uh, way of making decisions and moving through life. So whether that's responding for generators, waiting for recognition and invitation for projectors, um, informing for manifestors and wading through a moon cycle, studying the moon cycle for the reflector. Those are kind of the strategies for how you work with the energy of your body. But then once you are in a process of making a decision about something, then you're looking at, okay, now um, I've been invited to something, I've been seen, I'm being, I'm being welcomed if you're a projector. Now how do I decide if this is something I accept, if this is something I move forward with? So inner authority is something that is the the guidance point for that. And authority is determined by the sort of, you could think of it like the ruling center of your design. So for some people that's emotional. So that's that would be an emotional process that would be the place to go to assess what's happening and to come to awareness about what the truth is, about what to do. Um, some people are very instinctual. That might be the authority of their design. So they're designed to be very spontaneous and to trust their moment-by-moment instincts. 
um, if you have a design like yours and like mine, um, uh, and or if you're a reflector, then we would say you have no inner authority. So there is no consistent place to go in your own body to know what the truth is. And that's really interesting because you could find that depending on who you're with and where you are, you might feel really uh, clear about mm. something, but then you find out later, oh my gosh, that's based on the person I was standing next to, yeah. you know, was really clear about it and it <laughs> felt so strong and it felt yeah. so true and I felt it in my body and yeah. it felt so real. That has to be the right thing to do. Um, so if you have no inner authority, generally it just means that it can take a longer time to sort out what the truth is for yourself. And it can be helpful to allow yourself to talk through and interact with several different people, especially around bigger decisions. Yeah. Um, in the day-to-day, -day, like moment by moment as you're going through life, if you have no inner authority, then there there is some substructure in this system that makes it a little easier to be able to tell what are the kind of flavors that you're naturally attuned to. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that can be helpful if you have mm -hmm. no inner authority. I would say if you if you're a reflector or if you're a mental projector, I, you know, there are a lot of people you can give them a one-off reading and they'll learn something and 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 be able to use something from it probably if they want to. I think for some some of these other types, um, if there's no inner authority, it it can be really helpful to to dig a little deeper and study some of the more subtle levels yeah. because you are so naturally deeply affected by the people around you. And it can be helpful to know what are some other signposts for how to how to navigate. Yeah, that's life. helpful. We have so. a big decision coming up, my husband and I, like where mm -hmm. we're going to live decision. Uh -huh. So that's why I'm like, when I'm going through all of this, I'm like, wait, but what? Like, how am I going to make this decision? But I, I kind of like the... Cause when I'm with certain people, I feel things like, oh, this is where it is. This mm -hmm. is where I'm supposed to be. And then I go to the other one and I'm like, wait, this feels good too. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. that's helpful to kind of remember to talk it out with different people as well. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, if your husband's a generator. Manifesting generator. Manifesting generator. Yeah. Okay. So the cool thing about that is you both, it would take a benefit you both to take, <laughs> take a lot time. of time. So if you're talking about it now, a decision yeah. is going to be made in a year or two, yeah. that's great. That's a really good idea for both okay. of you. He needs to feel it out. You need to talk it out. Yeah. But the, the thing I think is really interesting is that for you guys to come up with it on your own, like out of nothing mm -hmm. is that's an interesting prospect because that would be that would be a pretty in, initiatory kind of a way to go about it. Yeah. So then, what is it like if you are in a place more where you're you're alert to and waiting for the signs or the invitations or the mm. the things that might come in to you, the suggestions from others? that give him something res to respond to and give you something to feel recognized by. Mm -hmm. um, that's and that's, you know, we're not in control of sure. when those kind of things come in. So that's an interesting process. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we got to get out of our house by this date. Yeah. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Um, but I think that's, if you have some time, that's one thing mm -hmm. I would play with. Yeah. And I think um, those interviews that you guys do with both places, I think will give you guys something definitely to respond to because they're mm -hmm. both like, both of the offices that he'll be applying to mm -hmm. will be giving you 
mm-hmm. an offer. They'll be yeah. Yeah. reaching We've some. been invited, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so so cool. for you, I would yeah. say, if you have no inner authority, it means um, that you have an open G-Center and that the G-Center is about love and identity and very connected to place. And so if you're open in that area, it it can be good if you've received an invitation to go to that place yeah. and see how you feel, see okay. see um, what the frequency is like there mm-hmm. and, and how that tastes to you, how that feels in your body um, cool. can be really helpful. Some yeah. people can just know right away yeah. from seeing a picture or or yeah. from, you no. know, <laughs> from getting an invitation on the phone or something, but yeah. um, I think it can be helpful to actually go. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Yeah. We... We're curious about, can we talk more about the emotional authority? Because we read mm-hmm. that it's like 50% of the population is emotional yes. authority. So like yeah. maybe saying the difference between what an emotional authority is like and not having And an how that affects like interactions mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the emotional process is really deep and something that we all have a lot to learn about. It's something that's very much evolving and it's very complex. So... If we look at the population and we say half the population has an internal emotional chemistry that's always there, that's always coloring what they're experiencing, then for those people that have emotional definition, it means that their experience of life is almost two-part all the time, where they're, they're going through life, they're having their experiences, but all the while they have this internal mood and emotional landscape that's coloring how they're being affected by what's happening. Because of that, there's a process to go through of sitting through things over time to see how you feel about them when your internal chemistry changes. Mm. One of the things that can happen, I think, with the emotional process is that people with that kind of definition can start to feel like they need to control or fix or address things that are happening around them in order to try to fix their internal chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so if they get if they're at a low point in the in their wave, you might just feel so if you're emotional, you probably notice that you go through cycles of ups and downs. Um, we all do to a certain extent, but with the emotional definition, there's a certain weight to that. And you can feel that when you're with an emotional yeah. person. It's like they have this emotional <laughs> yeah. energy in them. It's yeah. an energy. And so it's kind of a wave that they're always riding. So if you're emotional, you can probably sense that you have these kind of ups and downs, that cycle. And it can be, I think, a fixation that can happen is to start to think, I need to flatten that out. Or I need to be up all the time. How can I just have the up part and not the downs? Or how can I just even this out so I don't get so low at certain times? And I think that's one of the things that for emotional people, it, it can be just such a supportive process to learn that if you can learn to tolerate those down points and trust that you'll never, you won't stay down forever. There will be movement. Um, and if there's not movement, then yeah, you may need some, some more support and some emotional support to get to the root of what's really going on in there. Cause I think a lot of emotional people have either shut down their emotional experience and tried to avoid it completely yeah. or they're trying to fix it and control it or they're trying to stay up. Yeah. Yes. And so that's almost a very meditative 
kind of a practice. Mm. Can I can I sit with the different feelings that come, not blame them on anyone, not try to change everything in my outer life yeah. so that this internal feeling goes away, but to get to notice the difference. Like, is how I'm feeling really about what's happening out there or is it just part of this mood? And you'll, you'll get to know what those different flavors are inside yourself. You'll probably get, if you pay attention you'll, as an emotional being, you'll probably get really familiar with what it feels like in these different places in your wave, um, when you're up, when you're down, when you're more quiet, when you're more extroverted, you know, wh- whatever those different flavors are. So to just be able to be with that, I think is really important. For the open emotional people, now we have a, a totally different experience. So there isn't that same kind of internal chemistry. I think with people that are open emotionally, sometimes there's a lot of different ways they can feel. They can feel cooler. They can feel like they have less weight or density to them. They can feel like uh, they're, they're, they um, don't have the same kind of like need or passion or intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can look very different because what an open center will do is absorb and amplify what it comes in contact with. Yeah. So the open emotional people will often be absorbing and amplifying the moods and the feelings of the emotional people around them. And if we've got half and half, mm-hmm. we got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. then what you'll see is that the people that are open emotionally will tend to act out or be overwhelmed or be the sort of mouthpiece for <laughs> the feelings that are going on in, in the emotional people. It's, I mean, we could talk about this for days. Yeah. So I don't want to, so, I yeah, mean, it's so the, complex. it is very complex. And the way I'm talking about it is, is kind of oversimplified. So I don't want anybody to walk away from this. Of course, of course. Um, oversimplified. But there is a, a lot of awareness to be developed for all of us yeah. in looking at this. Because I'll often say to, I mean, I'll say this just to be, I'm kind of heretical and I like to shock people a little bit here and there. So <laughs> sometimes somebody comes in and I'll be like, you're a non-emotional being. And then people are just like, well, that's weird. What do you mean? So it doesn't mean you don't have feelings. It no, doesn't mean you don't go right. through the basic emotions, but it means that that, the, the, that internal chemistry isn't consistent inside of you. And probably a lot of what you feel is a reflection of of what you're around. So the beauty in that, the relationship that can be there is that if we can all learn to witness and be aware of and accept the emotional process that's happening in any person, then we can kind of learn to to tolerate these natural movements that we go through and then to also enjoy what it brings because so much of what that chemistry brings is all the art and the beauty and the richness and the creativity and the passion in life. It also tends to bring a certain tenacity for going after the truth and and confronting the truth. Mm. So you'll often find that emotional people tend to be a little more comfortable with um, confrontation emotionally. Um, whereas open emotional people will tend to just want to be nice and just have it be nice. (laughs) Yeah. The tendency will be to avoid it. So we're in this stance where I think, uh, open emotional people can bring a lot of empathy and awareness to the emotional energies that are happening. And emotional people can bring a lot of, um, tenacity and capacity to go after the truth and to not be afraid of it. Like it's okay to feel bad. 
I mean, I think that's something that all of us can really learn. Like it's yeah. okay to be with hard emotions right. and, and how do we process that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's deep and you can see it in the world today. I mean, the, just the, the psychological landscape over the last, you know, century or two is fascinating to look mm, at yeah. how we've developed in relation to this particular part of our being, um, has really grown o- over, over the years. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a big one that grabs yeah, us all. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. That's cool. I related to that a lot and especially the like avoiding or amplifying. Cause I think when we first learned about this and how I have an, um, an open emotional center, I was like, no way I am like an emotional wreck half the time. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm sitting and thinking and my husband and I had a kind of intense conversation, I'm like processing and realizing, wait, am I feeling what he's feeling? And then just like times a thousand. So then mm-hmm. I'm this, like, I'm just speaking it and living it and kind mm-hmm. of acting out, so to speak, his mm-hmm. feelings and stuff. So it's just interesting to sit with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of overwhelming a little bit for sure. But yeah, I think the thing that I love the most that you said during my session is where you said that like, the part about having the highs and the lows Mm -hmm. and not being like even keel and in the center because Mm -hmm. it would take away from like the richness of who you are. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's such a beautiful way to put it. And Mm -hmm. like realizing that emotion can be this like really beautiful thing if you allow it to be. Yeah. And if there's, like, one word that, like, describes me in, like, any type of, like, astrology or anything, it's, like, emotional. Allison is emotional. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, If you're looking Mm -hmm. for the definition of emotional, just, like, find Allison. (laughs) And so that, like, really gave me, like, this, like, permission and, like, value to really be this emotional person. Mm -hmm. And it makes me really curious. We were talking about today how... I'm curious how it will evolve over time. Like you Mm -hmm. said that it's been more acceptable, I think to be an emotional being like slowly, especially Mm -hmm. like as a man, I think it was something that was like very shut down. Like you should not be Mm -hmm. emotional. If you're a man, like you should not feel emotions. You should be, it's not manly Mm -hmm. to feel Mm -hmm. these other emotions of like sadness or even if it's like anger, it's like you can't even express anger as a man because you'll be shunned for that. And so, um, I think that right now I'm really curious about how you be in certain emotions and like, say you're like at the top that you're like having this joy and you're like really feeling it and how you can stay there and be in that present moment. And I think it is like a meditation, like you said, it's Mm -hmm. kind of being aware of it and not allowing like this melancholy to come in that like, Oh, this is, you're really high right now, but like you're going to come down. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I've struggled with is like when I'm really high and like really enjoying myself, I'll be like this sense of melancholy will come over me. Like, Oh my gosh, like just live it up now because you are going (laughs) to be in the depths. Like you're going to be like what goes up must come down. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. um, so how to like really be present and be like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to like enjoy this really high high right now. Yes. And I don't need to like come down to the middle and be like, Allison, you shouldn't be so high because like you're going to crash and burn. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. maybe I will. And like mm-hmm. being at my low, low and being like, Allison, you need to pick yourself up and like 
be back up more because like you shouldn't be in this depth. And it's like talking yourself into like, no, you can be in this depth and then like you'll be up again. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been just like a whirlwind of like figuring all of that out and like being aware of it Mm -hmm. and just like enjoying the emotion and like, I think that you wrote a really beautiful article that we'll like link in the show notes. Um, But like being around people who are aware of the fact that you are an emotional being and being Mm -hmm. accepting of it. Yes. Um, And so I think that that is one of the reasons we've talked about like comparing mine and Megan's charts. Like we're very different. Mm -hmm. And yet I know that she is so accepting of like who I am as an emotional being. And I think mm. that that helps us. That's, that's a basis of our friendship is that I like yeah. feel comfortable with her, even though our charts might not say that we would be yes. like close friends. It's like, she's open and accepting to my emotional energy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so beautifully put Allison. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I mean, I really think that's, that's what a lot of the process is about. And it's, you know, it's what so many teachings are pointing to now. Like, how do we not get ahead of ourselves? And can we, can we just stay in this moment enough to appreciate it for what it is, knowing that, like the cliche says, yeah. the only thing that's constant is change. It's going yeah. to change. So can we just be with it and appreciate it for what it is? And, and this kind of comes back to the conversation we started with talking about free will or not. Yeah. Because I think some of, some of where the mind really messes with us is when we start to think that we can or we should be in control of some of these things. And <laughs> you can sense, like, how crazy is it that when you're up, you're trying to come down, and when you're down, you're trying to come it's up, and when you're maddening. open, you're trying to be fixed, and when you're fixed, you're trying to be flexible. It's just like, why <laughs> are we trying? Why are we resisting yeah. what is at every turn, trying to resist? In some ways, I think, and if you looked at some you know, a lot of spiritual teachers out there, especially Eastern, they would say that's the egoic Mm -hmm. mind Mm -hmm. or in human design, we might say it's the not self mind, which really, it doesn't actually have the goal of keeping you up or keeping you down or making you even. It has the goal of being in control. Mm. And that not self mind is one that all it really wants to do is prove that it's in control, which has nothing to do with who we are or what our lives are about. It's just a kind of sickness of the mind. Yeah. And when that starts to run away with things, it can do nothing but make us suffer. It can do nothing but resist Mm. and try to change everything that is, no matter what it is, just to prove that it's in control. I mean, this is a a deep concept, but I mean, I, I think that it really is what's going on. And so when you start to watch this, you can see like, this is crazy. Yeah, this, this is, is really this crazy. Does not like have my best like well-being in mind. No. It's like you said, just control. Right. And then we can think, well, if I don't believe that I have if I if I don't believe that I have free will and mm. I'm and I'm initiating everything and I'm in control of my life, then that must mean I'm going to be this passive, uncaring, unproductive person mm. or something. When actually what it could be pointing to is maybe we could each surrender a little bit more to the idea that there is a lot of beneficence in life Mm -hmm. and that life in the ride that it wants to take us on may actually be something that's quite beautiful and here to show us something that we can receive. And so 
receive the highs, receive the lows, be with the depths, be with the lightness, (laughs) you know, it's all part of the totality. And, um, and our lives, we might feel a lot more in control if we could make them one way all the time. But how boring, how boring, right? I mean, how uninteresting. I mean, if we could really be in control of everything and make it the way we want it, how boring. Yeah, 100%. How boring. I mean, there's so much stuff out there now about creating your reality and manifesting what you want. And I I lean much more in in probably the the yin and the surrender side of things um, Mm. and my my design lends to that. But... um, I just think like how boring. Yeah. I don't think I'd yeah. want to be in control of everything. And I agree. How fun to yeah. when exactly. when there's <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I think I'm right. just like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll go this route. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting perspective. That was yeah. Yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 I, I'm curious. you you guys had mentioned, can I start asking <laughs> yes, questions? Please, yeah. please. <laughs> yes. Um, So I'm curious about, you guys have talked about how different your designs are, and I just wanted to point to something because I do think uh, it's one of the most common questions people will will come in with and they'll say, well, now that I know what my design is is like, who should I be with? Like, who's the most compatible person for me? And the interesting thing when you look at relationship charts, when you look at designs together, it really points to what some of the work or the themes or the the um, synergies of those two people will be, but it doesn't really tell you if that relationship is going to work well, mm. if it's going to feel good, if you're going to want it to be around for a day or 20 years. Yeah. It's not telling you any of those things. It's really your internal response and your your internal guidance that's there to show you, is this a person you want to be with? Mm. So it would be very natural, even though you you two, for example, are very different, that you'd have these interesting synergies or these ways that you come together and that you're able to appreciate appreciate each other. And like you said, Allison, um, I think you're pointing to something that's that's very beautiful, where the emotionality that's natural in you and deep in you is something that um, you, Megan, could really see mm. and um, and appreciate and be accepting of. And, and that could be something that feels very powerful. Um, and you might find, and this is something I think that's important if you're open anywhere, when you're looking at openness and definition is just to notice, um, do you enjoy that flavor mm-hmm. of that person in their fixedness? Mm-hmm. Is it something, it might be that you enjoy it all the time. It might be that you enjoy it sometimes. It you know <laughs> might be in doses. Yeah. Um, wh- whatever it is, it's... it's um, that's an exploration. And I think one of the things we can get to is learning to trust ourselves to say, um, well, I trust, I just like this person. I don't know why they're totally different than me, but Mm -hmm. I just feel good when I'm with them and there's Mm -hmm. a synergy and it works. So, Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of curious about what you guys have seen in each other through this. That's kind of validated what you already knew to be Mm. true about, in each other's charts. In each other's charts, like you mentioned, the emotional piece was that something yes. that mm-hmm. that made sense, or what? I would in imagine the for you, no. right? In the beginning, I was like, "Wait a minute, I feel like I'm usually the one um, with her, and, and sometimes with my husband as well, that um, can like amplify the emotions." Mm-hmm. And so, recognizing, like, sitting with it—is this something that I'm feeling, or am I feeling this way? Because she's feeling that way and I'm just projecting. sensing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that 
in the beginning, I was like, what? I'm not emotional. I kind of have like learned to sit with situations and realize it can be this and that. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can be both. So I think that was something that was interesting. The energy thing, yeah, like mm-hmm. she can go forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, yeah. and I can often, even if it's podcasting, even if it's something that I love, mm-hmm. I need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can often, call it a day. Yeah. 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 I yeah. often wonder if I'm like overwhelming her because yeah. I set up like most of the podcasts yeah. and yeah. I could like set up 10 in a day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I need to like we make sure that yeah. I set boundaries. Yeah. And it's good for me that. I'm setting boundaries, even though mm-hmm. I'm saying it's like for Megan. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I know that in reality, like if I were to do five podcasts in one day on mm-hmm. my day, my only day off work, I would yeah. probably be overdoing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's good to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it just like clicks and makes more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. Like I think I was, I think as a generator, it's like you think that everyone is like you because you are self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why isn't Megan? Like, like why can't she go all day? And <laughs> now it's like having understanding and like, oh, well, she wasn't meant to. Like, right. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And we even talked about, um, I don't know if this is too much information to share, but <laughs> Megan and Eric, because Eric, um, is a resident, he oftentimes like has to sleep on the couch cause he's oh, like on call sleeping. and he's right, like constantly right. like mm. has to leave. <laughs> yeah. And so oh. Megan would like be like, sh- obviously she, they're in their first year of marriage. Mm. Like she wants him to like go to bed the same time and them to sleep together. Mm-hmm. And I was reading over like projectors and generators <laughs> yeah. and like projectors really shouldn't sleep in the same bed as their as anyone Mm -hmm. because they'll take on their energy Mm -hmm. and so I was like well do you sleep better like when you sleep by yourself and she's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it just took up this pressure of like the whole concept of me needing a wind down process I need to make my little ashwagandha tea I need to go to sleep and like tuck myself in and read a book and he can't do it until he's physically exhausted. Exhausted. And so all of a sudden, like this week has been lovely because I'm respecting that about him. And so Mm. he's like, well, then why don't I come hang out with you for five minutes and then I'll go back downstairs. So Mm. it's been nice to play with that. It was almost like, oh, weight is lifted off. That was really cool for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And that is something that I've noticed too. Like I... (laughs) I asked Eric, we all went to dinner the other day and I asked Eric, cause Eric and I are, are similar. similar. He's a manifesting mm-hmm. generator, but mm-hmm. we're both still generators and we both have an emotional authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny cause we've said this before that like Eric and I are a lot alike. And uh-huh. so Megan will be telling me things and she's like wanting to complain or something and wanting to like get validation that she's right. And I'm like, well, actually I can see it from Eric's <laughs> point of view too. <laughs> That's good uh, and Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so we're sitting at dinner and I'm like, Eric, sometimes do you feel like you could just like, like you just want to like skip sleeping and like go straight to the morning. And he's like, I don't even want to like go straight to the morning. I want to be able to work all night through. And like, for me, it's like when I'm getting ready for bed, I'm like, ugh, bed. I like look forward to it all day. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'm like planning what pajamas I'm going to (laughs) wear and how I'm going to be so comfortable. How good it's going to feel to get horizontal. Isn't that crazy? No, I'm like so ready to be like, I'm like, I won't, instead of like making my, magnesium and ashwagandha <laughs> drink like I do that because yeah. I know it helps me sleep yeah. um 
I want to be making my cup of coffee for the next morning and like getting on with my day. Like excited, I'm like, yeah. Why, stuff to but do. why are we sleeping? Yeah. We have so much to do. So it's been cool yeah. to explore all of those things and not think something's wrong with me. Yes. Like yeah. I don't have that energy and that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yes. So that was cool. Uh, it's so cool. It's so fun that, cool. to, that you guys are playing with this. <laughs> I think in this way, making it so experiential because yeah. that's really and where the where the fun, fun is yeah. in it. Because mm-hmm. you start to see these things, and like you're saying, I think one of the interesting things about definition is that we we all tend to take our definition for granted. So the ways that we're fixed become so easy for us, so second nature to us that even if we judge it we can still expect that, oh, well, everybody's like this. Everybody's <laughs> looking forward to their cup of coffee yes. in the morning yeah. or, you know, yeah. so it can be so liberating to just see it this way. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't sleep together every night, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your marriage. Right. Right. If you, you know, need a long time to wind down and they need to be just exhausted. Like there's not, if you're really emotional and you get really high and really low, yeah and you don't, you're more still, whatever it is, it's so liberating to just be like, nothing's wrong with anyone. Mm -hmm. And one of the unconscious drives that starts to happen is that whether it's societal or it's cultural or whatever it is, is we can start to think like we need to be the same or we need to find some way that we're all kind of doing the same Mm -hmm. thing or there's some kind of ideal that we're all able to match or this is what a good marriage looks like or this is what a healthy person does or this is what work is about or whatever those things are. I mean, those are views that in human design, the the phrase that gets used a lot is homogenized. So these are homogenized views of of how life is supposed to be. And it's so fun and funny and liberating to just be like, And I think that... I love Brene Brown. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you listen to her at all, but it even just relates to that. Like everyone's just looking for this like sense of belonging. Yeah. And when you take away like the shame and guilt expectations, and I feel like this is what these type of things do, like astrology and personality tests Mm -hmm. and human Mm -hmm. design. Like everyone's just looking for that, like permission and that belonging. And, um, I think it's really beautiful. Like, it doesn't matter. We have a lot. Like, I've talked to people about this who are very, like, logical, scientific. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, it doesn't matter as much to me the, like, logic behind it or how it was created. Mm-hmm. I just think it's beautiful that it, like, brings people together and allows them to have this, like, sense of belonging mm-hmm. and this permission to just be who they are. Mm-hmm. And so I was like telling someone at work, a coworker the other day, who's like very quiet and like never really expressed much about like who they are and to see them light up, like mm-hmm. their face just like lit up, like, Oh my gosh, this is like dead on like who I am. And like, I've always told my daughters this and blah, blah, blah. And like, they just like, we're like, oh my gosh, they were affirmed and yeah. like who yeah. they were and that they were allowed to be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny that like you get a sense from that, from a human design reading. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I just, it doesn't matter to me like where you're like getting that from, but to be mm. able to get that is just beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I, I think so too. And I feel very practical and pragmatic in that way mm-hmm. where I don't really care much where it comes from either. If it works, yeah. If it hold, if it holds up, when I look at it, 
based on my experience and if it brings this sense that you're naming where it brings more lightness, ease, recognition, um, peace and harmony and mm-hmm. acceptance in relationship, then I'm all for it. Why, yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah, and absolutely. you know, if someone were to take this information, as you'll see some people do, like if you look on certain Facebook groups, you look the mm-hmm. way some people will use systems like this, if they're using it to kind of label people and create separation and, and yeah. have judgments about things, then, you know, yeah, that might not be such a great application mm-hmm. of yeah. it and you might want to move on. But I think that's my whole, my, that's my whole goal in using this and working with people. If I can sit with someone and they leave just feeling like it's okay to be me. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. I can, like, and I can move on and actually just yeah. live a life and not be preoccupied with what's wrong with me mm-hmm. or what's wrong with everyone else, mm-hmm. then, um, then amen. I yeah. feel like yeah. that's a good, that's a good piece of work. I know. Yeah. I love yeah. that so much. Yeah. We, we have kind of, one more question. Yeah. This is kind of random. Um, okay. but so I had this kind of epiphany at least mm-hmm. my, like I'm very fixed mm-hmm. in my head. Mentally. And, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mentally. Mm-hmm. So, in regards to mind-altering substances, in regards to either, like, drugs or mm-hmm. alcohol or things that can alter your head. Well, let's specifically go to, like, LSD type of things, mm-hmm. psychedelics. Yep. Um, I have had extremely different reactions than to people in my life who have very open centers up mm-hmm. top. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you have any <laughs> insight as to... Like, have you heard of that before? Have you heard of people with having different experiences or like, it's just not good for me. It's not good for my mental clarity. And the other Mm -hmm. day I was just thinking, oh, is it because I'm very fixed up there? I have a lot Mm -hmm. of channels happening Mm -hmm. um, versus my husband who's like completely open with no channels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's completely off the wall topic, but I would just be curious to hear. Not off the wall at all. (laughs) Okay. We just need a whole nother podcast (laughs) to explore this. (laughs) And actually, if you did want to go into this further, I, I know some great people that you could talk okay. to who have, yeah. I have, oh, I have so some cool. experience, but who have okay. more experience than I do. But I don't know if I would make a um, broad generalization okay. about um, <clears throat> those kind of mind altering experiences in relation mm-hmm. to definition or not. But I would say um, whether it's in relation to uh, psychedelics, uh, mind altering experiences, um, and even some forms of spiritual work, meditation, yes. energy work. I think when you have someone with a fixed mind and you do anything that suggests or pushes them to be able to, sh- to clear their mind mm-hmm. or to like have no thoughts or to be completely empty up there, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to shut down. <laughs> so you go into some of these experiences and it's yeah. pro- it, it might just get a lot louder and that might not be what you need or what you enjoy yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you've already got a lot of mental activity going on there because the thing that's interesting about it is that the one of the phrases that I use a lot is that the mind is not for you. Your mind is not for you. Mm-hmm. And it's usually healthiest if you have a defined mind, don't point your mind at yourself. If you point your mind at yourself, it tends to get uh, sketchy pretty fast. The mind in some ways, especially a defined mind, is really designed to look out. And it's designed to be 
an outer authority and a guide for others. So part of what I think can happen in those psychedelic experiences is that we turn inward mm. and then you've got a defined mind and it starts stare, you start staring at yourself and your own mental process and your own life. And that can be pretty crazy making. That can feel yeah. pretty bad. I, that's so funny you say that because <clears throat> I remember vividly asking, what am I supposed to be thinking about? Mm-hmm. And he was like, nothing. And I was like, no, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So with researching all of this, I just had this moment because I've, I've often thought what is wrong with me again mm-hmm. for having this very different experience. Mm-hmm. And it was refreshing to feel like, okay, that's just like not, doesn't mm-hmm. resonate with me like it does with other people. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think another way to think about it is that um, all these different kinds of things that we can take are they're, they're all different kinds of medicines. Mm. And so whichever particular one you might try, um, if it doesn't really work for you or if it's too confronting or if it's too intense, it's mm. not the right frequency for you, then that might just not be your medicine or it might not be your medicine at that time. Mm. I think in some ways as a mental projector also yeah. that um, substances and experiences that uh, bring me in more into a body experience um, and especially a pleasurable body experience yes, yes, can, can yes. often be a little more helpful than something that's going to amplify my mind. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've, enc- I've encountered, um, I've encountered a, f- a lot of different people who've explored a lot of different medicines and I think it can vary quite a bit. And I would say as a mental projector, I mm-hmm. think, or someone who's very open, there's probably a lot that goes into it that has to do with timing and context and um, state, yeah. state of mind yeah. and, and all of those things. And, and also um, it, what kind of support or guidance might mm-hmm. be there for you yeah. in the midst of that process. Cool. So yeah. I had to ask it's a great that. question. Yeah, it's a great to, question. Because it just came to me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is interesting how different mm. I am than him and vastly yes. different experiences. So. Right. So in some ways, yeah. um, those kind of altered experiences might just highlight that. It yeah. just kind of makes it even more clear. Yeah. Wow, this is a really big difference. Or the way you're going through this is so mm. radically different than mm-hmm. than what works for me um, or what's happening for mm-hmm. me over here. Um, but if uh, if you're interested in that, I might, mm-hmm. actually my, my partner on the Human Design Collective has a, has a lot to say about that, has, has done some interesting um, articles and talks about oh, that. Cool. So, cool. And, that, and there, there are actually quite a lot of people who, who are using, um, I mean, I think it's kind of great that um, psychedelics are being used now more yeah. in a therapeutic context Absolutely. and that that's finally opening up yeah. because... Um, I don't think it's really something that was ever right for me in a social context, but in a therapeutic context, it's something that's been um, really fascinating. So I think now that there's, there's, we're moving in that direction. I think we're going to get there where, where it'll, it can be a a therapeutic tool that could be really powerful, Mm. um, in the right context with the right guidance, um, for the, for, for people when they're ready and when, when the time is right. But, um, there, there are a lot of people out there who are using, um, I think who are able to do some really interesting work with things like human design and psychedelics. Mm. And I think human design can also be one of the kinds of systems that can be a very helpful integration tool for any kind of highly altered experience. Even if you go on a, 
I, I just encountered this woman who went on a, I forget what it's called, but one of these retreats where you go ayahuasca? and you're in, uh, not ayahuasca, okay. but, but, um, you like go in and you, they put you in darkness for a week, oh gosh. like no light, no, um, Ooh. no interaction with anyone. So you're like in silence and darkness in a room for a week. They, maybe they bring you food, but, sure. but you, there's no light. And, um, even something like that, you know, that's not involving any kind of medicines, but that's going to be a psychedelic be, experience. I, that would be like more. <laughs> that would be way more intense for me than like doing it's a like psychedelic. A oh my <laughs> Give me the psychedelics. That sounds crazy. I can't go there. I mean, yeah. you do it again over yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So any anything, or you go on a 10-day Vipassana retreat or something like that, anything that's mm. going to... Um, take you into such an altered experience. Human design, I think, is something that can be a really helpful tool, both going into it and coming out of it as a way of integrating back into life and looking at, you know, what was going on or what did this illuminate for me? And then how do I integrate it with my everyday experience? I think it could be a really helpful tool. So there there are a fair number of people out there doing some work with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's coming. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's part of the culture now. I think in a in a much more integrated way than it ever has been, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to keep going that way. I think so, so too. I, think so too. Mm-hmm. I know. Want to ask? Yeah. One question. Yeah. Sure. The difference between like a split chart and like a single chart. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So there are a few things you can see from that. So um, when you're saying that, so what this would mean if you're looking at your design, you can see that. Um, for the centers that are colored in, for the centers that are defined, if those are all connected to each other, that's what we would call a single definition chart. So that, on a basic level, that basically means that that's a person who, who they, what they are and the, and the fixedness that's in them is all connected. And so often the experience of that is that there's a certain amount of, uh, autonomy or independence. There's a certain sense of, I'm, I'm all myself when I'm myself, when I'm by myself. Yes. Um, when you have a split design, and there are a few different versions of a split design, so they, they can behave in nuanced ways. But in general, for all of them, if they're split, then you have some definition that's disconnected, that's not connected to mm-hmm. the other definition. And that can sometimes have the effect of feeling like they're almost, you have two parts of you internally. And that can lead to a few things. It can lead to feeling like when you're completely alone, if you're not in relationship or you're not connected to anybody else's energy, then you could almost feel like there's something missing. Like when you're just by yourself, it's almost like something's not quite, something's missing. And one of the things it can do is motivate you to seek relationship. It can also be a motivating factor for um, maintaining relationship. So one generalized thing that often happens is you'll see that if you have a single definition person and a split person in relationship together, um, especially a single split, so if you have just two parts that are split, then and they're in uh, in relationship together and a conflict comes up or they're having a hard time, it can often be the case where a, a single definition person might get to a point where they're like, you know, I'd... I think I need to, I'd rather just be by myself right now. I think I'd mm. rather take step back or they might feel better to just be alone. Whereas the split definition might feel a little more motivated to uh, work, keep working on it or work it out or find a way to, to keep that um, relationship intact. Because especially 
if the relationship forms a bridge. So one of the things that split definitions are often um, drawn toward are those people that bridge that split for them. They bring that energy that connects those those different parts. So um, for that split person, it can often feel like, well, I want to uh, I want to keep this connection here because I actually feel more internally whole when I'm with this person. Yeah, that's powerful. And then that becomes another piece that's kind of like the emotional piece we were talking about where you can sort of learn to work with this theme. Like, am I seeking out, you know, staying in contact with this person because it brings a certain kind of internal comfort or is it actually... Um, and, and is that actually healthy for me? Is it actually yeah. correct for me? Can I tolerate times when I'm alone and things feel sort of disconnected? Can I just be okay with that and know that it might feel a little bit like something's missing, but there's a reason for that and it's okay? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's been cool. So I have a split mm-hmm. and I have two gates that would connect or mm-hmm. bridge. Mm-hmm. And so, like, everyone I've looked at, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. Um, so Megan's the only one of my like really close friends who does not have either of those gates uh-huh. that would complete my bridge. So okay. I was telling her today, I was like, it's cool that you like you don't have that because it once again like just affirms that like there's no like logical reason or there's no reason in our chart of you completing that bridge yes. for me. Mm-hmm. Like we're just meant to be friends like yeah I don't know so that was cool to me to see that but then also really cool to see that like all of my like really close friends and people that I feel really connected to complete those bridges Mm -hmm. and that's something for me to think about also like is this a healthy thing Mm -hmm. and I'm curious to see if like my past partners maybe had one of those Mm -hmm. bridges and that's why I felt like I needed to stay longer than I Maybe yes. wanted to stay. Yes. Um, so that's just definitely opened up a lot of curiosity to me around those things because I do have a split. And mm-hmm. um, it is comforting to know that, yeah, it's okay to like sometimes feel like there's something missing. Yeah. Um, but also be okay with just sitting in that discomfort sometimes, yeah. like you said. And yep. I asked Megan, I was like, don't you feel that? And she's like, no. And I'm like, once again, just another area. She's that like, no. it's, it's another time when I could just be horizontal by myself well, and that would feel yeah. great. And it's interesting when Eric and I are in disagreements too, I'm like, peace. Like I'm yeah. going upstairs. Like I need to be alone. Yes. And yeah. he's like, let's fix it. Let's so fix it, yeah. it's been an interesting yeah. dynamic. But yeah, she was like, don't you feel like something's missing? And I was like, no, I feel more whole when I'm alone. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things with you, if you have, if you're a yeah. single definition and especially if you have a lot of openness in your design, in some ways when you're alone, that's when you actually get to really feel mm. your own frequency. Yeah. And any other time in your life, if anyone is anywhere near you, you're not feeling, you're feeling theirs at least as much, if not more than your own. Mm. So that kind of space is something that would be natural for you to seek out. Um, When you have more definition, then you carry that with you, whoever you're with, you're not as deeply, not as deeply influenced by others. And so having people around more of the time, and especially having those bridges around can feel like a real comfort and and not like something you need to break from as much. Yeah. Um, 
But in terms of relationship, I actually think the fact that Megan doesn't bridge you is something that might bring a sense of spaciousness and freedom and togetherness mm. in your relationship because there, there's always a, a two-sided factor to the energetic dynamics mm-hmm. that happen in relationships. So if someone is bridging you, that's something that might make you feel like when you're around them, you feel more whole or you feel good or you feel more complete, yeah. but it's also going to be fixing you in a way, in a very pronounced way for you. Oh, that makes sense. So in some ways, it's kind of holding you in that frequency of their bridge. And that would maybe be something that over time could feel confining. Yeah. Um, And so when you're in a relationship where that's not happening, there's a way that you might actually have a little bit more autonomy and room to move and yet still be able to be with someone that you really like and relate to. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just a very it's a very different dynamic yeah. to be in. But I I would say um it might not be that you have a relationship in spite of that, but that that's actually part of what's attractive about it mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah. It's so cool. It just comes back to this like what you see is true and what you don't yeah. see. Yeah. It's like what you don't think what you're not thinking about <laughs> is also true. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. So Very have cool. you found that you've just kind of been able to hone in on um like I'm fascinated <laughs> on how is it self-care? Is it you being more aware of situations? Is it you being more aware of other people's energies and how they're affecting you? Like, have you just been more, as you've learned and studied this, have you become more like attuned to this is me? Like, mm-hmm. I know me because this is true, whether or not I'm here or with anyone mm-hmm. else. Is that just like mm-hmm. learning yourself kind of? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think part of what happens over time and the the idea with this is that as you recognize more and more of what your own energy really is, that you will naturally decondition. Your your, mm. your system will naturally start to let go of the beliefs and behaviors and influences that have been there historically and that are there in current time. And part of what that does is it it brings you to a place where you can sense what your own frequency feels like. Yeah. And I think human design is almost like a language. When you when you sit with it for a while, it's it's like a it has all these words and all these pictures that sort of point to different experiences. And as that becomes more real, it's a way of understanding what's happening energetically and experientially and in your body mm-hmm. as you're interacting with different people. And I think over time you get to learn what those frequencies are. So you get used to what it feels like, oh, I, I I'm sitting next to this person, I'm I can feel this emotional energy in them. I can just feel that they have that. Or um, I'm talking to this person and I know they have a defined throat. I can tell (laughs) from the way they're communicating. (laughs) That's just the way it is, you know. Or or like what you're saying, I think the big... The big idea is kind of that over time we come more, and it's part of what our whole journey is here, Mm. we come more and more into the truth of what our frequency is and we resonate at that when we're not attempting to resist it or continually putting ourselves in situations that uh, repress or deny what that natural frequency is, it becomes more and more clear. Mm. And then that becomes what is radiating from us and what's moving us through life. And as a mental projector, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, can take, it can take some time to differentiate all that, especially if you have partners or people that you're around 
very consistently. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. But um, I can feel that when I come into my own energy with all the openness that I have, there's almost a sense of like, um, when I separate from someone and their like juicy emotional energy or their rich sense of themselves from their mm-hmm. G center or whatever it is, or their, or their life force energy, that buzz from their sacral energy, when I first separate them, the experience I often have is almost one of loss, like mm. I'm losing, losing something. Um, but almost simultaneously, there's this sense of like, oh, I'm going to get to feel myself, yeah, like just, just myself. So cool. And it's a very, I, I'll have to like make up a word for it mm, because yeah. it's something that's very, um, it's just more complex than being good or bad right, or, yeah, or right, whatever. It's, right. it's a very interesting experience. Mm. I love and I miss what's leaving and I am so relieved and thrilled to be in, yeah. be in my own energy at the same time. That's cool. So. I have often felt that, but haven't defined it in such a clear way as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. Cool. cool. Thank you that's so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, guys. We hope that you love this episode. I'm sure you'll have questions. We had so many questions after our first reading. But yeah, we both did a reading with Amy. We loved it so much. So if you want to get in contact with her, want to know more, reach out to us, reach out to her. Everything will be linked in the show notes. Subscribe. Let us know what you thought of this episode. If you have any guest recommendations, let us know. We're loving kind of interviewing these different people of Columbus and bringing new information to you guys. So let us know what you think. Subscribe. Check us out on Instagram. Tag us. All the good stuff. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye.